Good morning, Drumheller. What a delight and an honor to be here uh, with you this morning and trusting me with your pulpit. Uh, I do indeed believe it is a privilege to come and be with you. I uh, just want to echo just some of those sentiments that were shared. It has been, um, I don't know, six, seven, maybe, I don't know, eight years now, about eight years that I've known um, Aaron and Bailey, and I consider them uh, not only partners in gospel ministry, but dear friends. And uh, to be able to come to something like this um, and to share God's word a little bit on my heart for Aaron, this is a small pulpit. (laughs) First criticism we're going to have to talk about. No, no, no. It's fine. Um, so at home, I, I preach with this, so get this, you know, like it just, this won't work. But I, I did bring a tablet here, that's, uh, that, that's just back up. Let's give thanks and ask the Lord to bless our time in the Word. Father, just we're grateful that we can come and celebrate a year uh, into now um, Aaron's ministry as lead pastor here. Father, I pray that this would be a time, yes, that we would appreciate and honor Aaron and Bailey and their ministry here, but first and foremost, that we would be reminded that we are here to bring glory to you, that our passion and our heart and everything that we do uh, should be with a motive to bring glory to your name. Father, as we now gather and huddle around the word as saints, may we be encouraged, may you speak to our hearts, Father, if there is conviction. Lord, convict us, help us to be mindful of the work of your spirit in our lives and in this church here in Drumheller, and all God's people said, amen. Well, normally this would be an installation service, one year late, but we're here to celebrate one year into your ministry, and it is a pleasure. I I am truly humbled to uh, be here this morning uh, and, and be trusted with with the pulpit in another fellowship, and I do not take that uh, lightly, and so thank you for, for having me. I just want to affirm you, uh, as, a, as a sister church in Red Deer, uh, with the fellowship, I love what you're doing here. I've been watching, I've been in the fellowship my whole entire life, Fellowship of Evangelical Baptist Churches of Alberta, Saskatchewan, the territories, now including Manitoba. But uh, I came to know the Lord uh, in Lloyd Minster at a Fellowship Baptist camp. My mom came to know the Lord through a door-to-door evangelistic ministry in Regina with a Fellowship Baptist pastor. Uh, I've grown up in the Fellowship in Regina and now in Red there, uh, been there for 23 years on staff. So, uh, you know, it's not unfamiliar to me. I've been in this fellowship, in this building, many, many times throughout the years. Lawrence, uh, good to see you, my friend and his wife here, and uh, looking forward to getting to know you just a little bit after the service for a good Baptist potluck. Yeah, that's right. Well, this morning we're going to look at the word, you know, we're going to have a little bit of exegesis. We're going to look at uh, the role of pastor, elder, shepherd, overseer. We're going to look at it kind of like a funnel. And then we'll bring it down to and land the plane as a pastor. What do all those words have in common? How do we even look at that? What are our expectations as a congregation of Aaron 
which you should have, by the way, biblical expectations of Aaron. But also, I'm not going to let you off the hook, because there are biblical expectations of a pastor of a congregation. And so, you know, here's one of the things that I can do as a visiting pastor. I can come and say things and then leave. And then you guys have to sort it out. And I hope that A, you'll be encouraged, B, you'll be challenged, and maybe even convicted about your relationship between pastor, elder, overseer, and as a congregation. Amen? All right. Well, one thing about an installation service there's no explicit references that I can see of biblical uh, explicit references of installing a pastor such as this. However, the way that I see it, there is lots of other evidence of Scripture that what we're doing here today is right and biblical. In Titus 1.5, Paul says to Titus, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you may... Put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So Paul on his missionary journeys, first, second, third missionary journeys, going around sharing the gospel, people coming to know Christ. You know, there was an infancy of the church and it was a little bit disorganized and they didn't know what to really do with that. How do we function as fellowships of believers? I got to take this off. I'm going to get excited here in a minute getting to work, right? How do we function as, as a church? Paul says there's sawdust everywhere here. You guys are doing a lot of work. In the infancy of the church, he's saying, look, you guys are disorganized. We've got to bring it into order. And one of the first things that you need to do is appoint elders among you to bring things into order for it to function. To bring something into order means to arrange things in a specific sequence or arrangement that makes sense and is logical so that it can function properly. Here you're going to get a little bit of insight into even one of the most difficult conundrums of a pastor. How do I organize my books? How do I put them into order? You know, you, for, for well, you know, now we have all our books on, on a tablet or whatever, but, you know, for me, you know, when, if you were to come see me in, in Red Deer, uh, people mistake my, my, my study. I don't call it an office. I call it a study. Uh, and they mistake it as the church library. And I love that. But one of the things over the years is I've, I've bought more books. Like, how do I organize this where it makes sense to me so that when I can walk in, it's intuitive? Do I organize by author? Do I organize by topic? Do I organize by topic and then author? Or back, back and forth? You know, it's a real conundrum. And Aaron is laughing at me because he's probably experienced the same conundrum. To put things into order is important. We have a responsibility to organize biblically as a local church, which you're doing here. So I think there is biblical precedent there is biblical precedent to doing an installation service. Even though there's no explicit reference, I think what we're doing here is important, biblical, wise, in what we should be doing. Now, in the New Testament, to organize the local church, it gives two offices. It gives elders 
And then deacons, deacons will leave for another message for your pastor to take care of. Today we're going to look just briefly at elders, overseers, and pastor shepherd. What do all those words have in common? And we're going to look at it as a funnel and bring it down to the word shepherd in just a moment. Now Paul gives two lists in the New Testament, one in 1 Timothy 3, and then the other in Titus chapter 1. It would be wise for the congregation, here's something to throw on you, congregation of Drumheller. You need to know the contents of those lists. It's your job. It's what you need to do. You need to be aware. You need to be looking in order to appoint the proper people into the office of elder. That's your job. There's no, there's no getting around it. In order to bring order, biblical order to a functioning church, congregation, you need to know the contents of those two lists. You know, what's interesting about these two lists, when Paul is giving instruction to Timothy and Titus, in, in the Timothy passage in 1 Timothy 3, he refers to those lists of qualities and characteristics he, he refers to them as this is what the office of elder should have, episkopos. It's referring to an office of an overseer of the church. And then, in, and then in Titus chapter 1, it refers to that exact same list, not as episkopos, but as presbyteros, as overseer. So it's the same office, the same lists of qualities and characteristics that, that these People who hold this office needs to understand. But in Titus, he's referring to it as presbyteros, knowing as overseer, sort of referring to the office as these are the qualities of the one that sits in this office, and they need to have these qualities in order to look over the responsibilities of the church in presbyteros. But in the Timothy passage in 3, 1 Timothy 3, he refers to those qualities and characteristics to as an elder. So equating elder and overseer as the same thing, except in Timothy, it's what you have to have as experience, as an elder, experience, life experience. And then in Titus, he's referring to the exact same office, but as responsibilities. So we're going to look at those two things as elder and overseer as synonymous, the same thing. And you, dear congregation of Drumheller, need to know the responsibilities and the qualities and characteristics that that person must fill in that office. And you need to be on the lookout so that you appoint or install the right people. How are you doing in that? I want to affirm you with Aaron. I think you nailed it. It's a gift. It's a gift to have qualified, biblically qualified men in the role of shepherd, elder, pastor. That's a gift. And I want to affirm you in that. Now, when we're talking about shepherd, elder, and overseer, 
you know, where do we get the word shepherd from? This presbyteros and episkopos, all these weird, complicated Greek terms. Where does the word shepherd even come from? That's a good question, and I'm glad you're asking that because it's very important. Okay? Well, in Ephesians 4, verse 11, this is where we're narrowing down. We're coming to that funnel where we're going to actually talk about Aaron, that guy over there. Okay? We're going to talk about, so we've talked about elder an overseer, the qualities in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1. That's your responsibility as a biblical fellowship looking for qualified men to fill that role of elder overseer. Where do we get the word shepherding from? Well, it's a role that an elder overseer fulfills. It's better to be known as a verb than a noun. Did you catch that? Elders, pastor. Elders, shepherd. Are we tracking? Okay. So in, in, in um, Ephesians 4, 11, Paul says this to the Ephesians. And he gave the apostles, God, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and guess what? He also gave the shepherds. The elders, overseers, they have different roles and responsibilities. This is why it's so important and vital that we don't have a one pastor-shepherd ship. It's a plurality of elders where they, have, they catch all of those gifts in a basket of a team of plurality of elders that Aaron is called or appointed to be a part of. Well done. This is where we get the idea of shepherding from. Even Jesus told Peter in John chapter 20 to go do what to his sheep? Feed his sheep. There's the sheep shepherd metaphor. The sheep shepherd metaphor. Now how is a pastor, shepherd, elder, overseer supposed to feed and look after Fellowship Baptist Church here in Drumheller? I want to highlight a few points of that this morning. So we have a bunch of descriptive words for the office of elder that can be used interchangeably. Elder overseer, same office. Pastor shepherd, elder overseer, all the same thing. Are we tracking? Good. Now, in 1 Peter 5, we have these three terms, elder, overseer, and shepherd come together. Okay, 1 Peter 5, 1 and 2. You can turn there if you want. I'll go through it pretty quick. I may get through it faster than you can get there. If you're a flipper, start flipping from the back of the Bible. Otherwise, it'll take too long. Okay? Or do yourself a favor, just go to the table of contents. Anyway, 1 Peter 5, 1 and 2. I just preached on this biblical eldership in our church a couple of weeks ago. Fairly fired up on this topic, if you haven't noticed. So I exhort you, the elders, there's the first one. Remember, there's three, elder, overseer, shepherd. So I exhort you, elders, and you've got to remember the pressure that, that the, the, the New Testament church at this time was experiencing, disarray, conflict, persecution, confusion, everything that was taking place under the persecution of Nero at this time. And, 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 and Peter is writing to the church to encourage them how to function in this confusing time. How do we bring order to the local church? Peter's just helping out. 
There's good wisdom here. So I exhort you elders who are holding that office among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed to do what? What is he exhorting him to do? To shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Elders are to shepherd. But that's not, that's not it. That's not all. So he's, he's ex- exhorting the elders to do their job, to shepherd. Feed my sheep. Jesus told Peter, remember that? Feed my sheep. Down, Peter is passing on this, this direct communication from the Messiah himself to other teachers. And he's saying, elders, go continue to feed his sheep. And then secondly, exercising oversight not under compulsion, not being forced to, not being guilted into it, not under compulsion, but willingly. As God would have you, not for, fearful shame, or not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Last year, you appointed Aaron, elder, overseer, shepherd. And he did it eagerly. This is biblical. This is right. Now, I want to address the congregation. We did, we did the exegesis. We, we, we've looked at the text. We've, we've compared scripture to scripture. We've done good hermeneutics. Now, we're going to jump in in congregation. Dear congregation of fellowship, I'm going to address you. Okay? Um, but first, I'm going to address Aaron. Aaron with three things and congregation with two things. I would address you with three, but I see the clock and I want to be sensitive to it. Oh, let's be honest. If I have time, I'll do three. Yeah, okay. Oh, it doesn't matter. All right. Aaron, first of all, I want to express my love and care for you. And Bailey, um, I do want to share that uh, I'm here for you guys no matter what. And uh, with the Drumheller Church, I want you to know that he has a friend in his corner to help him. That's older, been around a little bit more, gray hairs. Got to have those people in your pastor's corner. I had that. Some of you may know Pastor Dennis Burris. Uh, Most of you may not, it's okay. He has also been in the fellowship his entire career, starting in Benelto, Baptist, then went to Westbourne Baptist, and then at Red Deer. And he's still there now, serving, retired, but serving. By the way, my trajectory was similar to Aaron's. Um, I started at Bethany Baptist Church as, a, as an attender in 1993. And then in 1996, my wife and I, Na- Nancy right there, my wife and I, got married and uh, became missionaries with Canadian Sunday School Mission. Bethany Baptist Church took us on as missionaries. And so we, you know, just with that endearing relationship that I had with Bethany, we, we attended there and we just loved it and uh, developed just a, just a wonderful, warm relationship with that dear congregation of saints. And then in 2000, I got a phone call asking if I would consider taking the youth pastor role at the church. And uh, I, I didn't want to do it. I, I, you know, I, I'm getting paid to play games with kids and share the gospel at camp, right? So there's just no way. But God has a funny way of directing our paths, doesn't he? And I landed at Bethany Baptist Church. I eventually said yes in 2000. 
And then in 2012, Pastor Dennis Burris decided to step down but not retire and asked if we could switch roles and do what's called a succession plan. 99% of the people that we took advice from said, don't do it, it never ends well, but we did it anyway. We figured 1% odds are bad. (laughs) So we decided to do it. And I'll tell you what, it was the most sweet relationship that that I, he's my best friend, my co-laborer in Christ. And having those older gentlemen in our lives to mentor, and he's still my pastor, by the way, he'll refuse that. He'll say, well, you're my pastor, so we'll fight it out as to whose pastor is whose. But I bring all that up to share with you what you're doing with Aaron, and Aaron and our trajectories, and my trajectory is quite similar, except I'm ahead a few years. So Aaron, I hope the congregation expects from you good spiritual leadership. In 1 Peter 5.2, Peter is encouraged to the elders to work together to exercise oversight. Oversight. The pastor is responsible to work with a group of qualified men as elders to look after the overall spiritual leadership of the church. It is an office and a responsibility that should not be taken lightly. But this is what you have appointed Aaron to do and congregation you should expect good, biblical, spiritual leadership from Aaron and the elders. It's an overall leadership. And again, uh, you know, I just mentioned it briefly. There's, There's elders and deacons and there's different responsibilities, but the elders oversee the entire thing from stem to stern. There's no checks and balances. The deacons are not the Congress. The elders are not the House of Representatives. The elders oversee it under God. They're, they're under shepherds of the great shepherd Jesus. That is biblical. And this is the task which you've called Aaron or appointed Aaron in this church to do. I forget when I got up, so you guys are, you guys are, <laughs> I have no idea. So we'll just carry on and I'll keep going. Um, But one thing about spiritual leadership here that I wanted to to mention, yes, it's an overall leadership, but there is a way in that spiritual leadership how um, how it's to be acted out. In Romans, Paul gives an indication on how spiritual leadership, there should be an attitude behind it. Yes, not under compulsion. But I like, I like what, kind of what, what Paul says to the Romans here in Romans 12. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, Romans 12, 6 to 8, let us use them, use those gifts of prophecy in proportion to our faith, of service in our serving, those who teaches in our teaching, the one who exhorts in our exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. Spiritual leadership in the local church needs to be done with zeal. Now, yeah, that's definitely personality-oriented. You can tell even I might be a little bit different up here than other pastors and preachers. But nevertheless, it should be done with zeal. Paul, Paul illustrated that in his own life, didn't he? And the reason why is because there's going to be guaranteed adversity. Guaranteed there's going to be adversity in ministry. Paul faced it, didn't he? 
He, he explained it to, to Agrippa in Acts. He, he even shared about it in, in 2 Corinthians. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was flogged. He was in prison. He faced all that adversity, but it would not let him or slow him down because he had a kingdom mindset, a missional responsibility to carry the gospel, and he did so with zeal, and so should he. So should the elders. But hey, guess what? Paul said, follow me to the Ephesians, follow me as I follow Jesus, it does not excuse us and our attitudes not to have zeal or slothful, some versions say, or slothful. We are also to have zeal, to show earnest effort in the responsibilities that are gospel-centric. The second thing, the first one is you should expect Aaron for spiritual leadership. The second thing is preaching and teaching. A pastor is responsible for delivering sermons and teaching that are biblical, relevant, engaging, helping to equip and encourage the saints for every good work. Amen? Paul encourages Timothy, young Timothy. I'm not sure as to how young he exactly was. Nobody really knows you know, I've heard as young as 16 and as old as 30, and I'm like, who cares? The thing is, you know, we are called to teach and preach. And he says to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, here it is, preach the word. Be ready in a season and out of season to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. The act of preaching involves passion, compassion, empathy, desire to share, pass on the truth at any time, anywhere. Always be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. You know, Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of my favorites, described this in preaching. What is preaching, Martin Lloyd-Jones says? Logic on fire is preaching. Preaching is theology coming through a man who is on fire for Christ. A true understanding and experience of truth must lead to this. And I say again, the man who can speak about these things dispassionately has no right to be in the pulpit. Precision is necessary in preaching. And it should have a healthy balance between head and heart. You know, good theology leads to a proper doxology, amen? Catch that? Good theology leads to a proper doxology. You need that. It has to be both. It has to be the head and the heart. I remember in my, my first year of Bible college, the president of the Bible college stood up and he gave us the, the and we were waiting for it because I've been there for three years and he preached the same thing every year. He's like, you gotta have, you gotta, you gotta connect the cerebral to the cardiac, he would say. And there, there it is and everybody would cheer. <laughs> gotta connect the cerebral to the cardiac, the head to the heart. Absolutely. You should expect expository sermons that are biblically grounded from this pulpit every time somebody gets up here. In Ezra, I love this part, in Ezra, or was it Nehemiah? I can't remember. I think it was actually Nehemiah. In Nehemiah, after the wall was built, or while it was being built, Ezra would come up. Ezra's the priest, right? Okay. And so 
And, and the people would yell at him and cheer, bring the book. They would say, bring the book. Is that what you say when you come through these doors? Bring the book. We want to hear from the book. He has to preach and teach with integrity, connecting the head to the heart. And the third thing is pastoral care. You should expect good pastoral care. In Acts, Paul was in Ephesus and he was heading to Jerusalem. And I think he had a hunch that he wouldn't see them again. I think that was his hunch. He was thinking, boy, I, I got I to gotta, I gotta get the elders together. So he called the elders of the Ephesus church to gather together because I think he believed he wasn't going to see them again. And with that, he gave some very final instructions for the Ephesian church. And this is what he said. In Acts 20, 28, Paul, pay careful attention to yourself. This is what he was saying to the elders. Be careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And this is what he said. To care for the flock of God. To care, to shepherd with empathy and compassion to support them. Support the people in your congregation, including counseling, biblical counseling, visiting the sick and the shut-ins, offering support in times of crisis. You know, I'm going to just get this out right now because I can. I do not like the joke, oh, do pastors only work one day a week? I think that is demeaning and insulting. I'll just leave that there. You know, yeah, there's one day a week where a pastor gets up here and, and, and preaches the word, hopefully with diligent effort, who spent sometimes anywhere from, you know, depending on the week, could be five hours on a message, which is not enough, by the way, but five hours, even up to 20 hours on one message. You should expect that. That includes laborious prayer under spiritual warfare. The enemy does not want your pastor to get up here biblically prepared. He'll do anything he can to crowd his time out with other things. It will happen. And you, congregation, dear congregation, need to protect that time of careful study and careful exegesis to bring biblical sermons out of this pulpit every single Sunday every single Sunday. Um, you know, pastoral care ministries are just as valuable as delivering a good sermon, absolutely. Caring for a person who is struggling with difficulty, being present during a time of pain, when they just get that call from the doctor or from a family friend. You know, I hope that, that your pastor and your elders will be right on the list to talk to first. To be able to get grounded in scripture with godly counsel when the world in that moment seems like it's going to fall apart, your shepherds are there for you. Will you trust them? I hope you do. It's part of their responsibility and it's part of the expectation that you should have of your elders and of Aaron. You know, one thing to note on that before I start talking to the congregation one of the things to note is you need to remember this. There's what, 110 people here? Is that fair? Maybe 120? Some people up in the top there. Um, 120 maybe? Elders or pastors, they go home every day 
with 120 people on their mind. Think about that. And then they have their own family and their own stuff to sort out. It's not that when you close and lock the office door that all the stuff stays in that room. He carries it with him. Why? Because he loves you. And he cares for you. He's called to do that. May you be mindful of that. May you be mindful of that. Okay, congregation. So the three things for, for, for Aaron is that he should provide spiritual leadership, preaching and teaching, and spiritual care. Wonderful, shepherding care. We talked about those three things. Now the congregation, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer two things for you, and then I'll get out of here, okay? Two things. Maybe three. In 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says this to the Thessalonians. We ask you, brothers, catch this, because this is you. This is us right here. So focus, right? This is us. Paul is saying to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5, we ask you, the church, to respect those who labor among you and who are over you. Over you in the Lord and admonish you to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Did you catch that? You need to underline that. You need to put your elders next to that. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who are among you and who are over you in the Lord to it and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love because of their work. You are called to respect Respect comes from a couple of things. Respect is to, comes from the idea of being educationally in, in the know of what a shepherd elder does. You have to be in the know. Do not be ignorant. He doesn't just work one day a week and come up here and pontificate, blah, 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 like the, like the Charlie Brown teacher, for those of you who are old enough to know even what that reference means. Yeah, yeah some of you know. Wah, 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 wah. Okay, that, that is not what he is called to do. In different translations, one of the ways to do proper exegesis, if I can just, proper Bible study, if I can just throw this out there, is check other Bible versions, how, how things are translated. We have an embarrassment of riches in the English language. An embarrassment of riches when it comes to the Bible and how it's translated. Get this. So in Thessalonians 5, it says, Brothers, respect those who labor among you. In the NIV, it says, Acknowledge those who labor among you. In the, the New Living Translation, it says, Honor those who labor among you. In the NASB, it says, Appreciate those who labor among you. In the KJ, you get the point? There's a giant word group that comes with respect, and here it is. Respect, acknowledge, honor, appreciate, know, give recognition, it says in the Christian Standard Bible. You need to recognize in order to respect. You have to know and be in the know. So I'm going to give you a little bit of insight into my week. Not Aaron's, mine. 
but it's probably pretty similar. We have lots of meetings, formal, informal, sometimes across the province, now with Zoom across the world. Every month, you can count on us being in meetings from coast to coast, province to province, city to city, with the phone, lots of meetings. As the church grows, by the way, it's growing here, it's wonderful to see, his to-do list goes up exponentially. Not only does his to-do list go up, but so does his pain list, his prayer list, his fear list. Managing the opinions of you list, where everybody thinks they're right. I'm being honest. Trying to navigate a certain amount of people especially in a Baptist tradition, because we believe in a congregational government, and we've got to navigate. A pastor and elders needs to be able to learn the, the, the art of conversation. It's difficult. You're difficult. Let's just be honest. Okay? But you have to remember, a lot of our time sitting in that office is praying for people, like in our congregations, trying to manage different expectations, different opinions, different perspectives, especially when everybody thinks they're right. The unpleasant task of church discipline, managing financial resources, counseling things from anxiety to depression to you who knows what under the sun these are also the things that a pastor is managing. Teaching the Bible with precision and passion. Protecting you from false teachers. Providing an environment where you can mature and be equipped to serve the Lord. Training and motivating you to serve the Lord. Providing pastoral care for those both within and, yes, outside the church. We do not know, nor do we order our days, who's going to come through that door at any day. We don't know. Or who phones. It's shocking. So, oh, did I mention lots of meetings? Okay. So are you aware? The second thing is the pastor is in office worthy of honor because whoever appointed you you, you have appointed him to sit in that chair, in that office, along with other qualified, biblically qualified men. He, along with the other elders, serves the Lord by leading and guiding the church where Jesus wants it to go. And he has authority to do so along with the elders. Okay, the last thing, supporting your elder, supporting your pastor. I've been reading... Barna Research says that over the past three years, 68% of the pastors in North America have considered quitting. Not just moving to another profession. Sorry, not moving to another church. I mean like out of the ministry. Quitting. 68%. 
50% of pastors leave, with the, leave the ministry within five years. 80% of pastors don't survive 10 years for various reasons, both good and bad. Feelings of doubt, pressure, inability, comparing yourself with guys like Alistair Begg, John MacArthur, uh, Lincoln Duncan. Uh, I can go on. The list is huge. Constantly comparing yourself with other pastors in the media today with those celebrity pastors is tough. Drags you down, gets you weary, tired, constantly giving and spending energy and rarely having a chance to build that energy back up to fill the tanks. Not only is carrying his own personal burdens but the burdens of the entire congregation. This, folks, is a grind. It's a grind. Being called to be a pastor is a wonderful calling, but it sure is a difficult one. And add that, the complexity of our culture today. <laughs> what? It's crazy. You know, things that we thought were complex five years ago today are just nothing now. And now we got all the managing of this culture, this, this, this craziness without the rudder of the gospel... That's why we just have to stick to Jesus. Amen. Preach the gospel. Don't slow down. Preach it with zeal and passion. I'm praying that you as a congregation will want your pastors not to just get by, not to just survive, but to thrive and to do so with joy. In Hebrews 13, this is going to be my third point, but I'm going to get the hook in a minute. Check this out. I'm going to do it anyway. 13, Hebrews 13. Listen to this. Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. Probably with a lot of tears. We have to give an account to the Lord for the people with whom we shepherd. This is not, this is not a task that any of us take lightly. We carry that weight every time we come into the church building. Correct that theology real quick. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. You don't want your pastor to feel that tension when he sees your name on the phone. You don't want that. You don't need it. So how can we, how can we support Aaron, Tyler, the elders, people who are pastors, how do we support them? Well, first of all, you need to pray. We are engaging in a spiritual warfare, all of us. We need to pray for one another in ministry actively. We need to pray for our pastors, our elders, because you know that the pastors and elders are praying for you. Um, at Bethany, the elders, that we work through um, the, the, the uh, directory we take a portion of our directory, every elders meeting, and we pray by name every person in our fellowship. 
That's the first thing. Encouraging and uplifting your pastor. Pastors can face many challenges and obstacles in their ministry, so it's important for the congregation to encourage and uplift them, not just, uh, just in um, times when they're good, but especially in times that are hard. You need to appreciate your pastor. Remember your pastor on holidays, special occasions. The $10 gift card to Starbucks does a lot. I'm not, and I'm not saying that superficially. I really am not. Maybe not for Aaron. He's kind of a coffee snob. <laughs> Which, by the way, I am too, so it's okay. <laughs> but no, like, just a, if, I, if I could be so bold, you know, just one of those tangible little gifts, uh, it does go a long way from time to time. And it's really encouraging. Uh, that, appreciate your pastor. Defend your pastor. This is a big one. When someone else gossips or complains to anyone about him or your elders, take them to task and ask them, have you practiced Matthew 18? Immediately. Matthew 18. Well, it's like, well, I didn't know that. Did you go talk to him? Because there's probably a logical explanation about what you're gossiping about. You know, I have found in my ministry now, all of a sudden it's getting a little bit longer, but I have found in my ministry that 95% of the time the person who has hurt me didn't know it or didn't intend to. 95% of the time, maybe even higher. Largely it comes out of miscommunication or just like, oh, did he say that? No. Oh, maybe how he said that was off. You know what I'm saying? Just go and talk to them. Defend your pastor. Be responsibly generous, drumheller. Every church ought to provide a fair and adequate salary and benefits package for their pastors. It's true that a pastor should not shepherd for the love of money or gain. But it doesn't mean that they should be living in poverty either. You will never get the best from your pastor when he has to worry about other tangible things. Evaluate it often, regularly. Be fair, but be generous. Now, hold them accountable. We're not perfect, by the way. I know that's hard to, you know. Um, we have to hold our pastors accountable. And not in a witch hunt sort of way where you're looking for things. Because if you look for flaws, I guarantee you're going to find them. I, you know, let's be honest. Right? Absolutely, we're human. However... One of the things about being an elder is that we must be teachable, and we need to listen. And I have had dear saints over the years expose things in my character. I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, I need to address that, and immediately. You know, and so there are people that have come to me over the years where things were flaws in my life and character where I needed to address. We have to keep our pastors accountable. You want them to grow too, don't you? Don't you want them to be sanctified? You know, there's nothing more that the enemy will do when we get up here to fire arrows unqualified. Oh, it'll happen often. Lastly, plan for a sabbatical. Uh, I don't know who the elders in this church are. I think I met a couple of them off. Uh, plan for a sabbatical, folks. Healthy pastors will help healthy churches. Um, it is biblical. 
It is right. And I've been in a church for 23 years and I haven't had one. Um, different traditions, different histories and backgrounds. Um, so I think I have a little bit of social equity in my back pocket to come here and say, please, please plan for a sabbatical for your pastors. Um, if you need help, I'm always here to help with that. Write up a sabbatical policy, make sure you financially plan for it, and make that happen. The congregation should be asking their elders about this. Get it done, do it quickly, and do it generously. So lastly, conclusion. Aaron, there is so much more to say, isn't there? Like, you know that. First of all, I love you as a brother, co-laborer in Christ. I got your back um, as a friend, but also as a partner. Uh, Bailey, Nancy and I love you, love Levi. We, we, I pray for you often, and uh, I appreciate you very much knowing everything. And so uh, I'm thankful for all the pictures you guys posted last week. It, it, uh, it, it filled me with joy. Drumheller, I'm also here for you. Baptists fly the independent, autonomous flag often. I'm not sure that that's great. I don't know how, but I think we should be working together more. I don't know what that looks like, but what I want you to know is that there is a church an hour and a half away with saints that are there that love and care for you and want to help in any way we can. Let's make it happen. We want to be able to also provide spiritual leadership. We also want, also want to provide from the pulpit at Bethany preaching and teaching that's sound and biblical. We also want to provide pastoral care. We have the same motives. Let's work together. Respect and honor your pastors. Support your pastors with the things that I've suggested. And may God richly bless you. Can I pray for you? And then I'm going to invite... Let me get the names right. Oh, elders. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Okay. <laughs> Let me pray. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, as um, we closed our time now uh, in the Word, now we move on to a very wonderful portion of the service. But before we do that, Father, I pray for Aaron and Bailey. I thank you that we have this time, the significant amount of time to focus and appreciate them, to be able to challenge this wonderful, dear congregation here in Drumheller. Father, I pray that if there's anything in this message that is worthy of repentance, Father, that you would speak to our hearts today. Lord, that we would do business by your spirit with our souls both individually and collectively as a church. I pray for a holy dissatisfaction among us. I pray for a zeal amongst this, this congregation here that is gospel-centered and missionally focused. Lord, that evangelism and sharing the good news would be a byproduct of their love for Jesus. And Father, now I pray for the elders. I'm thankful for the godly men that you've put in place here. Lord, I pray that we would grow richly in our walks with you. 
And Lord, as we now go through and carry on with the rest of the service, that you would be honored and glorified. And again, all God's people said, amen. So I'll invite the elders to come up now. Tyler, is Tyler here nearby? Okay. Come on up. <laughs> Got the mask off two times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> this is a special occasion, Eric. <laughs> well, it, it really is a great occasion to celebrate the ministry of Fellowship Baptist Church and the pastoral leadership of Aaron and Bailey. As chairman of the Board of Elders, it is my delightful duty to recognize, honor, and celebrate Aaron as the lead pastor this last year. You have earlier heard of the various or the variety of ministries that happen here at Fellowship Baptist Church. We would now like to encourage and formally recognize and show the unified and prayerful support of this ministry by the laying on of hands. So I'm going to ask Aaron and Bailey to come forward now, please. And it is the custom of the apostolic church that the persons who are chosen and recognized by the church to lead ministry are admitted to sacred orders by solemn prayer and the laying on of hands. I therefore ask all of the members of the board to come forward and join in the prayer and the laying on of hands. And Aaron, just come on up here, yeah. Come on in, gather around everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about, it's about you. Okay. Okay. Aaron, we give thanks for your diligence in studying God's word and in faithfully proclaiming it. We ask that the Lord bless you for it, that you continue to tend your flock and feed your sheep. We ask that as your people are separated by truth from unbelief, great salvation of Jesus Christ. As you exercise your ministry here. Thank you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name alone. Amen. <laughs> 